Hello, and welcome to Make Their Tap, episode number 73. Why does it say there are five people in the room? Where do you, where do you see that? Uh, up in the, over the corner. I don't uh, see that. We might have some, we might have some surprise live listeners. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> right before I hit record. <laughs> You're welcome. It, you, you clicked record, and it went from two to five people on the little... It, oh, there it is. Yeah, it says five. Okay, well, hello, live mystery listeners. three people, whoever you are. Uh, hello, you're seeing, you're seeing our episode live. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, Chris, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Cool. How are you doing? I am doing great, particularly because I very rarely do this, but uh, there was an error in the uh, a potential error in the way that we published this episode, so I, I pulled up uh, Transistor.fm, the best podcast host you can get for all your podcast hosting needs, by Justin Jackson and uh, somebody else, so I don't remember. Um, and um, I, as part of debugging, pulling that up, I saw our subscriber numbers and total download count. We have, estimated by Transistor, 71 subscribers, which is so many people. That's <laughs> like the idea right now that I'm talking to a room of 71 people and they're all like in their own little bubbles of like doing yard work or driving or whatever else. But like, that's really cool. <laughs> like, right. It just, it sort of feels like I'm just talking to you, but I'm t- like in a very real sense right now, we're talking to a room of 71 people and that's a lot. That's yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. And that's just subscribers. We have about twice that amount that actually download it every week. Uh, so Yeah. That's cool. It's not, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not huge, right? By internet numbers, it's kind of small, but by sure. actual people numbers, it's pretty big. So yeah, thanks that's, everybody. That's a game that like, I want to make sure that I'm getting right now though, because you know, I, I could see being in a place where like we get a hundred thousand subscribers and we're like, oh yeah, but we don't have as many as this other podcast and, uh, and the other podcasts <laughs> have like a million subscribers. Like, no, I feel really good about 71 subscribers. That's a lot of people. Um, the uh, total downloads number, uh, 7,679. Th- that's also just like astoundingly large. If you divide that number by 24 hours in a day, that's 320 continuous days of human attention. Now, granted, a download does not equal a person actually listening to it, and it's like multiple times speed, and people cut out the blanks and everything. But like, that's really cool. <laughs> and that's not including YouTube numbers, which like on YouTube it's it's much lower. But uh, yeah, it's it's it just feels really cool. Like, I maintain that this is a thing that I would keep doing even if no one was listening, because it's very valuable, I think, for each of us to have this weekly check-in. Uh, which I'll get to uh, later. I have a fun thing to mention <laughs> about that. Um, and uh, the the fact that, that the, the idea that like there are other people listening to it and like connections are being made and like people tweet about things that we say, it like, this is so cool. I'm so happy we're doing this. <laughs> uh, podcasting is a really neat thing. Yeah. Uh, when I was at MicroConf and I talked about the podcast, I said something like, during COVID, we started talking and then we just decided to start recording it, which is kind of how it felt like it went. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so like even even if no one was listening, I think we would still do it, which is awesome. And um, yeah, it, it's a neat reminder for us. And it's also, I think, hopefully useful to people listening uh, to hear what we're going through. Um, so yeah, cool. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. And thank you to our 71 subscribers for uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh reach out to us like we're we're real people oh i just got a package delivered in my uh <laughs> you you would know that if you're watching the youtube version of this oh if you don't know if you're only listening to the audio version we have video versions of all of our episodes and at some point i'm going to cross link those two but that has not happened yet uh cool that's that uh what did you get up to this last week um so this week was mostly a personal week i went to my brother-in-law's wedding so my wife's brother's wedding um in san diego so that was really cool we uh took the kids and they went they were the ring bearer and the flower girl and it was very cute and everything worked out and they got married and it was a good wedding so that's mostly what i did um yeah we are all a little bit sick but we were we had non-covid colds beforehand and they just never kind of went away and so Mm. that was not great but it went as well as it could have you know traveling with kids is always a little stressful but yeah so that's mostly what i did um just before that i finished my machine learning final for my masters um so that's not graded yet but that is done and i can relax now and i did not do much SAS stuff because i did those two things 
I like the idea that a successful good wedding is one where the people got married and nothing <laughs> catastrophic happened. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was a good wedding. Um, congratulations on finishing your final for your master's. Uh, was it easy? Was it hard? How, how are we feeling? It was as expected, I guess. I. It's funny because so they gave you like two and a half hours or something. So you could do it anytime within a two week window. But as soon as you started, you had two and a half hours to finish. Mm-hmm. And um, which is reasonable i think um and it's funny because i'm like two and a half hours that's such a long time i can do whatever i want and it was like five questions long and each question was multiple parts and by the end i was like i don't have enough time to finish <laughs> like huh. two and a half hours goes by as really really fast um i think i did really well on two problems one problem i think i did okay on one problem i wasn't quite sure about and one problem i think i bombed and so um yeah if if that is actually the case then i think i'll get at least a b in the class hopefully nudging toward the a minus if they curve um i don't think i'll get an a because i really didn't answer one question correctly i think uh but that's okay i'll take that a minus b plus yeah i'm getting flashbacks to a midterm i took in a genetics class in college where uh the the very last question was this question where you you had to figure out the types of Oh, it's been so long since I've taken this class. I'm going to figure out all the terms. You have to figure out the genotypes of this whole family tree, given genotypes of specific members of the family tree and like the recessiveness and the heterogeneity of those people. And I knew I didn't get the right answer because it, it sort of like self-validates itself. Like you can, mm-hmm. after yep. you've solved it, you can like work backwards and make sure that you get the right answer. And I knew I didn't get the right answer. And the rest of the test was fine. But I got to this question with like half of my time left in this class and I started on it and I was like, oh, it's clearly this thing. And I started and then, you know, I used up 20 minutes and I double checked it and I was like, oh no, that's obviously wrong. And so then I started from the beginning again with a new assumption and then I got to the end of that in like another 15 minutes and it was still obviously wrong. And the teacher was like, all right, time's up, but if you want extra time, and I was like, phew, uh, you can move to this other room. So I was like, yes, absolutely, I'm gonna move to the other room. (laughs) I will keep working on this until it self-validates. And I think I tried it like one and a half more times uh, until she was like, that's like, I have to go, like, you're done. (laughs) And because of that question, I can trace back, like that question dropped that test from an A to like a B minus or a C plus or something. And then because of that, my grade in the class dropped from an A to a B. And it's like one of the most frustrating memories I have in my entire university career of like that question. <laughs> like, oh, it's so, and I think we got it back afterwards and I looked at it and was like, oh, it was like this, you know, this was the mistake I was making. And I, I skipped over that when I was doing this thing, but like I would have eventually found it given enough time. And I don't know how to feel about that. Like I knew the information and I knew, like if I was working on this in the real world, I would have kept doing it until I got it. And you could make the argument like I should have known the information well enough to be able to solve that in the, the, that amount of time. Uh, but I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to be rewarded for my <laughs> determination of like, I would have, I would have kept going. Like I would have gotten yeah. it. Um, how do you feel about time as a way to differentiate students in grading? Yeah, this brings up a good point and actually ties into business and SAS and stuff too, which I forgot about. Um, so yeah, I, I felt similar on the question that I totally bombed. I, I did it and it was like super easy and I was like, great. And I did it and then went on and then went back to review it with about a half an hour left in the test. And I'm like, oh, that was too easy. I did this wrong. <laughs> and I realized what I did wrong. Um, and I did not have enough time to, to fix it basically. And so I got like, hopefully I got partial credit, but I, I, by the end of the test, I was like, I know the answer should look like this general shape. Uh, mine doesn't. <laughs> so I know I did it wrong, but yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when I started the master's, I was like, I've done college before. I know a lot about learning now. I should be able to learn whatever I want to and just be fine on the test. Like, I, I know the type of questions they're going to ask, so I should be able to work backwards. And and given enough time, which is kind of the kicker here, um, I should be able to do just fine on any of the classes. Mm-hmm. And it brought back, like, when you know something. So the professor, he knows everything, right? And he would be like you know, this is the setup or whatever. So it's a pretty simple derivation to do this. And in my mind as a student, I'm like, that's not a simple derivation. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and he has all this built in knowledge. Um, and it brought me back to the beginner's mindset, which is super important. Like me as like, I teach a lot of react, right? I'm starting to teach some AI stuff. It's really important for me to remember that like as a student, you forget a ton of stuff. And just like you said, give it enough time. Sure. I got to figure it out. Right. I even knew that it was wrong 
and given enough time, fine. But as a senior dev, as a senior whatever, you have all this built-in knowledge that makes it simple for you to see the problem right away. And so you don't need enough time. You just know the answer. Mm. Anyway, it, it was just a really good reset for someone like me who wants to produce educational content, um, like to get into that student mind again. And so it's, it's sort of an unexpected benefit of me doing the master's again, uh, just getting into the student mindset again, I think is going to help me be a better teacher of other things. Um, hmm. That's kind of a rambly three-part answer, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I feel about that. This is a really good segue into something I wanted to talk about this week. I got a real world B, B minus in uh, my file inbox beta when yeah. Ryan was using it for something like a quarter to a third of all uploaders. There was some sort of problem, either like one of the streams didn't upload or like it uploaded without audio or, uh, it, it like didn't upload at all, or it uploaded the first 10 minutes, but it should have been like a half hour long. Um, and I feel bad because I built him this thing to uh, receive his conference talks. And for a lot of them, it worked really well. For a lot of them, like it worked as advertised, like they go to the URL and it organized and like, if it was working, this whole process would have been so much easier than what he was doing before and it's much more standardized. Um, But it created a much worse experience for the people uploading it. Like I would just feel so demoralized and like untrustworthy of the tool I was using if I found out like, oh, the thing you just did didn't upload. You need to like do your half hour talk again and re-record it. Like that would feel terrible. Brian had a really positive silver lining on this, which was like from his perspective, he kind of got a dress rehearsal from them for free, which makes the final product better, uh, which is a really positive framing. But also like if that's what he wanted to do, I'd prefer that he chose to do that intentionally as opposed to like (laughs) that my tool failed. Um, And so I'm seeing... This feels like a direct analog of, of what I'm trying to get out of. Like, this is this is a real world B minus, and I now have time to allocate towards this to bump it up to an A uh, by figuring out all these edge cases of like, okay, well the audio stream dropped because of this, and so I can fix it in this way, and you know this one dropped off because the person was trying to record in 4K and that filled up the intermediate buffer, and so. Uh, I just need to enforce that that's uh, lower resolution and I, I can I can fix that so that the next time I take this test and I have a bunch of conference talks uh, recorded and uploaded, uh, hopefully all of them succeed. Maybe only one of them fails in some new interesting way and I, I fix that. And I look at school as sort of like an analog of the real world that school is preparing you for how to do this sort of real project. And so I kind of wish grading was more along the lines of like project-based and you can put as much time into it as you want. And at any point you can ask me to grade it and I'll grade it for you. And if you want me to regrade it after you've done more work, you can do that too. That feels more real, um, though it would be a lot more work from the teaching perspective. Yeah, so that's why um, in computer science classes, not necessarily uh, because, so not that it would be more work. Um, so that's why I really like the deep learning class because it was just like that. So there was an automated grader, which is why CS classes are nice. Um, mm-hmm. And at any point, you could upload your code and say, grade me, and it would give you a grade. And I think you got a maximum of five tries, so you can just, like, spam the grader. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, for that, like, you could put as many hours as you want, and you get an immediate feedback, you know, up to five times. And um, uh, that felt a lot more real world to me. This class mm-hmm. was a theory class, mostly math. And so, like, basically, you know how to do it or you don't. Or um, like, or you you know know how to do it within two and a half hours, or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's not not the type of class or learning that you can do that for, uh, which is why I don't like it as much. <laughs> um, I like the deep learning class more, but um, yeah. And, and I always in when I was doing my bachelor's too, I always liked classes that rewarding effort is not quite right, but yeah, rewarding like the more time you spend and the more diligent you are in trying to do the thing, the better grade you got there. Mostly project-based classes were like that. Um, and yeah, I tended to like those better as well. I think what this is reinforcing for me is like when I'm setting up an environment where I'm the teacher and I'm teaching students, I think it's a better environment for the student. If I can have more immediate feedback, if I can set up that automatic grader, I think that's a much better experience than, 
there's one midterm and you know like like the worst experience would be you know you take this test and then you find out 10 years from now what your grade was <laughs> like that's you how are you supposed to learn anything from that yeah uh so i think that the opposite of that would be i can imagine uh you know writing an english essay if i could if i could just see in the upper left hand corner as i was writing the essay this is your current grade as the essay is currently written and here are the errors of the things that you got dinged for i would be such a better writer that would be such better feedback i could iterate so much faster i could i could experiment much more much more i i would feel much more motivated i uh i i would feel much less demoralized by a bad grade because i knew i could just immediately change it um as a as a teacher making an environment for students more immediate feedback cheaper more frequently is better so i want to try to do that yeah i don't know if this is deliberate but that's a great tie into the kaggle contest that i was in the essay grading <laughs> yeah. competition right that's exactly what they're trying to do they're trying to basically make AI-based tools that provide more instant feedback to uh, people, m mostly for like you know, um, lo like lower-income students who don't have the same resources as like can't hire a personal tutor, for example. Um, if you had an AI-based tutor, then you could kind of democratize access to you know everyone. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what they were trying to do, and which is why I like that competition. Yeah, that's fantastic. That was an accidental tie-in. That uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I want. More of that, please. Um, cool. Uh, you have been thinking about consulting. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, this is kind of, um, so, uh, I'm doing SaaS stuff, right? And we talked like my, my, in, my total net worth is slowly going down because my, my SaaS <laughs> and my education has not caught up with my spending yet. Um, as but your total consulting. knowledge is going up. That's right. Um, and your total number of podcast downloads is going that's, up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so my, my friend just, my friend reached out and his company has a consulting project they're thinking about. So I might do that. Um, it, it was, a, it's a React Native project. It sounded pretty interesting. And it's kind of, it's the type of project where it's like, it's an internal, like sort of prototype and they may open source it as like a way to showcase their like SDKs. Um, mm. So yeah, that sounded kind of neat. And so uh, we have a meeting tomorrow. So I might do that a little less SAS uh, and more consulting time, but money so that's good yeah. uh yeah so so it's kind of like you with your consult recent consulting which is like it's kind of nice to get paid for your time um yeah so i think that's all i have to say about that until i actually have the meeting and know if i do it or not you know because we cool. still don't you know want to make sure it's a fit on both sides but yeah so i, I might do that um I, i'm also starting a kaggle another kaggle competition which is the gps competition the same one i did last year cool. but uh it is an updated data set and a few updated rules and a little bit uh, stuff. But this is the one I got fifth place in. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one a lot because I had some unfinished ideas that I want to try <laughs> for this one. So, yeah, that just came out the last couple of days. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Kill it. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, especially after I think you like bought a textbook on GPS and learned I did. all that. I still have it. it. It's behind me. That's wonderful. I, I'm going yeah. to reread re re that textbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, the the old film Casper, where they talk about how uh, to exist as a ghost, you need unfinished business. You've, you've got mm. some unfinished business with this uh, GPS Kaggle competition. I'm, That's right. I'm excited to see you uh, exterminate. No, what do you what do you do with a ghost? You uh, you bust it. Exercise. You <laughs> bust it. I'm excited, to, I'm excited bust. to see you bust ghost this bust. ghost. Of, That's, um, right. That's right. Uh, I was reminded also of uh, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last episode, but. We're both sort of in this position where it makes sense for us to be investing long-term in SaaS, but also if the right sort of consulting job comes up, it's really difficult to say no to because it's a nice immediate influx of cash. Um, I was trying to think about how to balance that of like, how do I, it, it, it's much more immediate feedback doing the consulting job. Like I know yeah. exactly what the work is and then I do the work and then I get the money. And with SaaS, it's a little fuzzier. It's like, well, I did all this work to like make this video recording thing more robust and that took me 10 hours and now it works better for brian a little bit and now what like presumably in the future this is going to lead to more customers because i fixed this bug i'm not going to get as much churn but it's it's much longer term work it's much more delayed gratification uh less immediate feedback and it's I was trying to come up with a way to quantify and sort of estimate like how how should I be estimating how much I'm making per hour on that sort of work? Hmm. And I think it's a lot. I think it's like because because if you think about how much is how much is a hundred dollars in MRR worth? Well, 
it's at least worth a hundred dollars because you're going to get that in a month and it's kind of worth the uh ltv of the customer if your churn is six percent i think you divide the ltv by uh oh no you you get ltv by dividing you divide by the churn yeah yeah your your yearly amount by the churn so let's say it's a hundred dollars a month which is oh uh, yeah a hundred dollars divided by churn so 100 divided by 0 0.06 is uh, $1,666. So it's uh, $100, $100 in MRR is kind of worth $1,600. But it's also kind of worth three times that if you're doing like a 3x multiple. So it's it's like a lot. <laughs> like um, uh, Somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, $5,000. I, I, I'd like to get this math uh, clearer. Uh, I didn't know I was going to talk about this, but uh, it was a perfect diet. <laughs> I so... Would Go ahead. I think you're complicating it by by dividing by a churn. I yeah, it's it's you take a hundred dollar MRR customer, you multiply by twelve for a year, and then yeah, SaaS uh, uh, multiples are like three to five to yeah you know, anywhere between one and ten. So like yeah, yeah three to five uh, ARR. So yeah, twelve hundred times say four or five. So like yeah, five thousand dollars or so. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's about right. Yeah. So say five grand. So like if you can spend an hour getting a customer that is going to pay you $100 a month, that's $5,000 an hour. Yes. And if I can, you know, spend 10 hours to polish up this feature that's going to get me 10 customers, well, now that's 5,000 times 10 divided by 10 hours is $5,000 an hour. And that's way higher than anything we've been talking about of doing these consulting gigs. Even the one for Brian doing the, the video thing, that, that was like, you know, I spent a lot more time on it since then, so the hourly rate's going down. But I think at the time it was like eight hundred dollars an hour or something. That's like a lot more than than, uh, than eight hundred dollars. So it's yeah, I, I'd I'd like to be framing that more in terms of yes, I'm not seeing the immediate results of spending time on the SaaS, but like let's not forget about the crazy numbers in SaaS and how business development is incredibly worthwhile. And man, if if I could like zoom out on the timescale of your life and Acorn Chat and look at, okay, what what was the impact of you writing these blog posts and writing these uh, uh, customer buying guides? Like that work is probably going to be worth an, an insane amount of money of writing blog posts. But at the time you were just like, ah, oh, do, 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 doing, doing blog posts. <laughs> and I'd rather be coding. And uh, so I, I I want to make sure that I'm not losing sight of that, that working on SaaS is really, really high value work. Yeah. It's just deferred. Yeah. SaaS uh, math is bananas. <laughs> Basically. It's like, it, it, yeah, it, the, the problem, the real problem is that SaaS math can also go negative real fast. So like you could do mm. something that you think is valuable. And in fact, it's just wasting a whole bunch of time or it turns into like bloat, which turns customers or like, so yes, you can have plus $5,000 an hour hours, but you could also have like, you know, negative a hundred thousand dollar an hour hours if you're not yeah. careful um so yeah you still have to be diligent in like what you do and your the direction and type and you know amount of work um mm -hmm. yeah but yeah if you hit it right you hit it really right so <laughs> it'd be great if i had more immediate feedback could you do an ai competition that shows me in the, the corner of my screen like <laughs> how much my mri is getting impacted by what i'm doing that's interesting i there are SaaS coaches who will basically do that um yeah basically i think what they tell you is uh talk to your employees more like like you know man you know do make sure they have everything they need and then talk mm. to customers more <laughs> like that's mm. like go talk to people that's yeah. basically what SaaS coaches will tell you to do but um which which i'm not doing for acorn chat uh so i know what the SaaS coach would tell me to do <laughs> and instead i'm doing casual competitions while i'm waiting for uh the approval by the slack app store i'm trying my hardest to do that i've i've got rachel on this new project of uh well not new she's been doing it for a uh, uh, couple of months now, I guess, of uh, trying to get phone calls scheduled with people. And I think we've had like three or four out of a list of like 50 that I, I well, hmm. that's like 10%. That's actually, that's actually reasonable. It's just taken a really long time. Um, but some of these people she's followed up with like four or five times. Uh, and then on the fifth email, they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll schedule a call. Um, I'd like to be doing more of that. I think there's more opportunity for automated stuff of like as soon as they've crossed some threshold of success in their account then i, I ask them for a, a call or something um cool uh i would love to talk about a few things first one is because you were gone at this successful wedding last week we only did co-working one day last week yep. and my focus tanked it was <laughs> 
like the before times of before yeah. we did co-working. <laughs> and I would just, I could feel it. And I, I could contrast it with doing the co-working of, it, my, my brain was just diffuse. It was just off in the wind, in, in the breeze of like, oh, well, this is the thing I should be doing, but I'll just do this one other thing first. And oh, before I do that thing, I should do this other thing. And oh, uh, I should really do this thing before this other thing happens. And then I'm just gone. And then I'm just floating around all day, getting stuff done. But it's just all little bits and pieces all over the place. And looking back at the week, like I got so much done that, that was stuff that I needed to get done, but it was not focus work. It was not building forward file inbox in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and in weeks when we're co-working, I feel like I do that. And then also I get done the things that I need to get done. Like I feel like more focus is better. I'd, I'd like to be doing more of the focus when I'm more diffuse. It's, it's just less efficient and I'm all over the place and I don't like it. Um, so I strongly prefer the co-working. Uh, please never do that to me again. Uh, just <laughs> kidding. I understand you have weddings. I, I would like I to have better habits of, uh, having that focus even, even without you. Uh, and also thank you so much for having this positive impact on my working life. I was going to say my brother's wedding is in a few months, so I'm going to do no. that exact thing again. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like I, um, I feel the same way. Like I, without co-working, I watch YouTube videos and, uh, get some stuff done. Right. Uh, with co-working, I get a lot more done and also watch YouTube videos. Like I, I, I feel the same way. Like I feel like I goof off the same amount of time, but I also get way more stuff done. So, mm. um, yeah, that, it feels much better to do the co-working because it actually provides some structure. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's some critical threshold of being distracted. Like when I'm on YouTube, that time can really slip into, it, it can go from 10 minutes to like two hours absurdly yeah. quickly. And so I think one of the things co-working does is like cuts that off at 10 minutes. And then the benefit I get from it between 10 minutes and two hours is not proportional. Like right. two hours of YouTube feels retrospectively like about 10 minutes of YouTube. Um, I just, I just like get more diffuse and get more distracted and like it's, it's much higher yield if I'm just going after like I'm, I'm looking for a video to do this one thing and then I did that and then oh I see this other video that's distracting and well I don't have time for that because I have to do this other thing and then I go back to the thing I'm trying to do. So yeah, focus, more focus is better. Um, next thing I'd like to talk about, I started listening to a podcast that is a really good podcast that I think everyone oh, should yeah? listen to. <laughs> yep, it's... These two guys who work on stuff. Uh, they started off their first episode calling themselves make.dev and then changed the podcast episode, uh, changed the podcast name in the second episode. Uh, listen to episodes one and two of our pod, this podcast. That's that's what I'm talking about for anyone yep. who hasn't caught on yet. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it was so interesting. Uh, like, it's, I, loved, I loved our rationale for starting it. Uh, I, I feel like we've gotten we've gotten the benefit that we wanted from this podcast. Uh, it's interesting that most of what I was talking about was uh, textbooks, please, which like I haven't thought about since I finished it, but I was talking all about like wanting to do SEO pages and marketing and I didn't do any of that. And you even called me out on it. You were like, you're not going to do that. You should like, <laughs> stop doing this, this development stuff and do the yeah. marketing instead. And I was like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. And I have not gotten to it. This was, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, we were going to have Moitza Zoe on as a guest and we never did that. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Is that, is that site still running? That textbook, please. I assume so. Let me actually <laughs> test that right now. Uh, I hope it is because I built it on this infrastructure of like uh, Harry Potter. Oops. If you wanted to test something on MicroAquire, that would be. I don't think I don't know if MicroAquire really existed oh. then, but because you talked about maybe selling it, and you're like you didn't really know how to do that and whatever. Uh, that is a perfect MicroAquire. Yeah, that would be good. This is, this is partially working. It's only searching on Amazon. It's only searching on Amazon. And also the landing page is awful. What was I doing? It just says search for your book. And that's the, what am I doing? Um, uh, I also don't know what traffic looks like to this. I, I, I'm going to give myself like a C for that. That's it's sort of working. Um, other things. Oh man, this was embarrassing. Episode one, uh, I was talking about the file inbox serverless transition. Oh, right. <laughs> I was talking about it like, oh yeah, I'll get that. Like I won't do it this week, but I'm like I'll do that like next week or the week after that. 
I don't, to be fair, at the time I was thinking that was just going to be a feature and I was going to like bolt that onto the existing Rails app and I migrated from that to like, well, no, it makes more sense to just like completely recode it from scratch. But it's kind of embarrassing listening to that being like, oh, Christian of the past, if only you knew <laughs> the journey you would go on. Uh, so that was funny. Um, oh, huge success. In episode two, I mentioned uh, I was I was doing all my time tracking back then too. So I calculated my total efficiency of uh, like the for 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 uh, minutes of video output uh, compared to the amount of time that I spent producing that output. What was mm. my efficiency? So if it was perfect for an hour of video output, I would only spend an hour into it. That would be a hundred percent efficient. And if I spent ten hours preparing a one hour video, that would be uh that would be nine that would be 10 percent efficiency and i calculated my efficiency for the very first episode to be 22.4 percent and i was like i would love to improve this with some system level stuff and then in episode two i was like man i don't know how i'm gonna improve or in episode three i was like i don't, I don't know how i'm gonna improve on that uh, i improved it a little bit up to, to 25 percent and i haven't like actually calculated it i guess i could do that but i think it's something like 90 or 95 percent with my whole automated video editor thing and that feels great um it's it's really cool uh so that that feels like a huge win that was something that i wasn't even sure i'd be able to do and i, I was able to do it um also in episode two i had the idea for clip stop marketing and oh nice yeah and then i did it so that was cool cool uh yeah with the uh, video editing for the podcast i think we've fallen into what we both like to do you have an automated video editor which edits our video from uh riverside and then i actually listen to it and timestamp the thing which does take some time it takes like a half an hour to listen to timestamp for the hour-long show oh you do it at multiple time speed yeah i watch it at like two and a half times basically remember what we've done um but i also really like re-listening to it um some people hate listening to their own voice or hate like hearing what they said but um i also love it (laughs) yeah yeah well i don't like it because it's my voice i I like it because while i'm talking like right now i don't really know what i'm saying like 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 it's all coming out and we're having a conversation but but i only get like part of it um but why when i re-listen to it i like hear all the points again and like they solidify like what i'm gonna do what i what i said i'm going to do you know so it's it's like listening to my brain and i've already forgotten what i said you know yeah Um, so i do like re-listening to it just a few days later uh yeah and then so we my point is we've sort of fallen into uh a very good i think routine for um doing our podcast which doesn't require paying an editor which um yeah interesting point the software social um podcast mm-hmm. they said it cost them 250 dollars a month to produce that podcast and i have to imagine most of that is for an editor um, yeah and it do- we don't have that cost at all so yeah 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 cool it just took 50 hours of development time <laughs> right <laughs> But I got to learn a lot more about FFmpeg, and uh, I, I was having fun. I, in hearing you say that, I, I'm missing having, I, I'm missing re-listening to the episode, being part of the workflow. Uh, I, I had that for the first dozen or so episodes because uh, I was uh, editing it by hand, and yeah, it was kind of nice to just solidify what I had said and. Uh, I feel like I became more cohesive as a person because I could listen to what I was saying and then evaluate it from a third party perspective, but it's also things that I said and it's things that I said recently. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I'd like to, I think what that's going to look like is I'd like to, I'd like to re-listen to all the old episodes and then catch up to the most recent one. Um, I, I just found it really useful to re-listen to what I was saying. Um, as a consequence of that, I'm probably going to go back and up the audio quality of all the old episodes before I fix the so crunchy you don't issue. Have to, don't have to hear yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be just for me. It's, it's going to be better audio quality. And then in the future, like people are going to be listening to the episodes where we're complaining about the audio quality. Like, what are they talking about? This sounds great. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if you ever get to this part of the podcast, this is what's going on. Um, was there anything else I wanted to say about that? Uh, oh, I spend way less time on YouTube now than I did in episode two. Uh, I was spending like four hours a week on YouTube and it's much less now, but I I should have looked this up. I don't know how much less it is. Uh, feels like about an hour, but I, I don't actually know. Um, that's crazy because I spend, I spend about an hour a day, I think. On uh, YouTube. And that, and that is less than before. Yeah. I spend a lot of time on YouTube, but it's not what I would categorize as YouTube time. Like oh, okay. when I say spending time on YouTube, that's like wasting time on YouTube of like 
I've fallen down a rabbit hole and I'm just sort of entertaining myself. Okay. Um, if you look at like in my Chrome history, how much time did Christian spend looking at a screen that showed youtube.com? It's a lot more. It's, it's probably an hour or more a day, but I consider that like project research or like I, YouTube, YouTube has become much more reliable for me as a source of information. Like I'd rather search on YouTube for how to do something than Google it. Cause if you Google stuff, Google's just, it's just trash. Like anything you Google, it's just a list. Yep. It's this obvious blog spam of they're just trying to sell you this product and they, that you read it and it doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, but on YouTube, like, you know, it's a real human person and you like, they've put at least enough effort into this thing to record a video about it. So that the threshold is higher. So it's just much higher quality information. Uh, it is, that, that, that is true. Like it takes more effort to put something on YouTube. And so I found the same thing. Like, yeah, as long as it's not a bot reading something uh, on YouTube, which I hate, yeah. I click off those right away. Yeah. Um, then, you know, a person spent at least that much time, you know, putting it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how that's going to be different once AI videos become more of a thing. Yeah. Probably worse. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to get worse. And then I think what's going to happen is that gonna, there's going to be some higher level of like, ah, this, this is a Neuralink recording of a person's right. brainwaves. And then that's going to become the new high source of information. And, oh, and that's going to get automated. Um, it's a it's a sort of cat and mouse game of how to figure out what the high quality information is. Right. Um, I had a one of my attaboy projects this last week. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, soon to be fiance, I think that's happening mm. this month. Uh, if I can get the ring done in time, um, <laughs> uh, she uh, inherited a cockroach problem in the uh, condo that she moved into, built in the seventies. And she's hired exterminators and looked at all sorts of ways to fix it. And like, we're doing all the things she's supposed to do of like not leaving food out and cleaning up. And it, it's still, still a problem. The exterminator comes and just sprays the baseboards and then leaves. Mm, and then yeah. we find a few more dead cockroaches and then there it's, it's right back to how it was before. Some days it's like, you know, three or four cockroaches a day that we'll find between gross. dead and alive. Yeah, it is gross. Uh, and so I went into my super ADHD mode yep. <laughs> one night and was like, I should learn about cockroaches and how they work. And man, anything you want to know about cockroaches, I feel like I've got. I'm I'm like a, I'm like a basic to intermediate level exterminator right now, specifically <laughs> about cockroaches. I can tell you all about their life cycle. I can tell you all about the best uh, way to kill cockroaches. Uh, it's really interesting, actually. <laughs> they have this huge genome, so they can become resistant to uh, any individual pesticide you're using. So you're supposed to use multiple in the same way that you would use like multiple. Uh, uh, antibiotics at the same time interesting um and there's like you don't want to just spray in the baseboards because they love spaces where they're they're like crunched together between two spaces they really mm -hmm. love when their belly and their back is touching something so any little crack between your cabinets or between like the dishwasher and the wall uh so what you do is you put little nuggets of food that's uh, the gel is the best and you, you squirt that in in between those things like every 12 inches and you want to do like a lot of things because they don't like to share food they'll fight each other off and then the gel they bring back to their nest and then this is kind of gross. Uh, cockroaches are really resourceful. I, I have so much more respect for them. Like, they're they're survivors, man. They're they're gonna get through anything. Yeah. Um, one of the things they'll do is if a cockroach dies, they will eviscerate it and eat its guts to like save oh, on food. Nice. Yeah. And then also, as a cockroach is dying, uh, oh, uh, independent of whether or not it's dying, it poops, and then the young ones eat the poop, which like that's a pretty good strategy. Like, <laughs> you're gonna have food for for the young. It's it's kind of gross, but like. As, as a design for a survival of a species, that's, that's a pretty resilient right. way to do it. Um, the adults are going to be around and they're going to be pooping and then the, the young ones are going to eat it. And then as one of the cockroaches is dying, it vomits. So if you get this particular kind of poison, which doesn't kill them right away, uh, they go back to the nest and they poop some of it out and then they vomit and then they die and then it gets eviscerated and eaten. And so then that has the secondary effect of all the ones that eat all of that stuff, mm. they all die. And then a tertiary effect of like all those die. Right. And then if you're doing that in combination with these four other things, uh, there's like a powder you can get, uh, uh, borax, and there's yeah. another type of powder. And there's this, oh, there's a hormone disruptor <laughs> where you crack it and it's it's this hormone that only cockroaches have the receptor for this hormone. And then it, it makes it so that they can't produce the chitin uh, for, to make their shell when they molt. So they die. And that's like another way that, th so you do like all of these old things at once. Uh, and I found out all of this from a like five hour YouTube binge of like watching all the YouTube videos about cockroaches. Um, and I felt like Neo in the matrix when he's like, I know Kung Fu. Like <laughs> that's what YouTube is. You'd like any, any skill you want to learn. It's really high quality information where you can tell, like there's, there's a sense of watching the video of, is this person genuine yeah. or are they just trying to sell me something? Um, 
a lot of the videos that I caught onto were like these really, uh, like harsh, like like unpolished, <laughs> like uh, northeasterners <laughs> who just felt like they like they're <laughs> they've been steeped in this world of exterminating. Right. Like you can tell they just love it. Uh, and they're talking trash about the exterminators that just go through and, and spray on the baseboards. Uh, and they're like, here's what you actually need. And like, this is the best spray to use. And it's like terrible video quality. And like, uh, I learned like th there's a, there's a, it, it just smells like authenticity. Um, yeah. and then the information you get from that, if, if you can watch multiple videos that are all pointing to the same thing, uh, like specifically that gel, like every YouTube video I watched that felt authentic was all saying like, this is the gel to use. Um, then, uh, how else can you get that level of education other than like a master's degree or something? Um, it, it feels like a really good meta way to, to absorb information. Uh, I apologize to listeners who are first out by talks about uh, how to, uh, how cockroaches work. Uh, maybe I should have had a warning to skip over that part, but uh, we're, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll move from cockroaches to, uh, again, April Dunford's uh, toilet talk, which um, mm. was kind of the same thing. It's like um, the more authentic you are, like, even when it comes to like sending people who want to buy your software away to other people who are better like yeah. the more you do that authentically the more people will trust like what you have to say um yeah so like with the buyer's guide that's what i try to do i was like if if you fit these criteria uh you this is not going to be a good experience for you you know yeah. go somewhere else um and that like i had people on twitter say you know what a refreshing like honest take at the, the landscape and um that's exactly what i was going for uh, so that's great um also yes that's exactly what youtube is great for um so even like on this trip we went to san diego i watched a bunch of videos about like where to go to san diego and it's just a much richer way to learn about where you're going to be before you get get there and so my wife had a thing like when we go places i'm kind of always the person who's like so we land in san diego we should go to this beach and we should do this and we should whatever and she's like i like that you do that are you do you like doing that or should i take more active role basically like we had that conversation oh. and i was like uh, i actually really like doing that it's like part of the whole experience for me is learning about the place before i get there and knowing mm. all you know what to do and everything and so uh so that turned out to be really great like she hates doing that <laughs> so it's really good that i like doing that because she just she likes just being like you know what's the best beach and then i go off in a two-hour rabbit hole of youtube and then come back with an, an answer um yeah that's what youtube is good for and i like doing it so yeah. that's so interesting that you and your wife had that conversation sarah and i just had that conversation but she's the person who does the trip planning and enjoys it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just like i'm gonna be happy with anything like <laughs> right. take, just let me know when i need to be packed and how i'm good to go uh let me know how much to venmo you for whatever we're doing um yeah that's a that's a good relationship uh uh dynamic to have um i had a thought and i'm trying to remember what it was uh, oh uh uh authenticity um as a metric of the value of the information, like it's it's surprising to me that in watching these videos about extermination, I found myself gravitating towards less polished videos because exterminators aren't good at video production. So like right. the video quality is bad and the article is bad. And there were some videos that were like the top 10 baits to use and it was really polished and it was this robot voice, voiceover announcer and it was like these animations and stuff coming in and those were the least authentic videos, but it, arguably a much better video that it, <laughs> much, much clearer. And like, there was a script and uh, it, there's nice clear animations and there's links in the description and it, it and those videos had much more views, uh, but it was a worse video. So uh, the same sort of thing, I think I'd be gravitating towards for uh, vacation videos of like learning more about a place. I would, I would trust so much more. I don't know what it would be in like, who, who's the person that I'm looking for in a new city I, i'd be looking for someone who uh, recorded a, a subpar video on their cell phone that was just like we had such a good time and uh, yeah. <laughs> here's this cool thing we did as opposed to like the tourist thing made by the city where they paid twenty thousand dollars to a yep. consultancy to be like make us a tourism video um so that's in applying that to sass i almost i i think this is reinforcing for me not to worry as much about quality because what people are looking for is authenticity. So like the videos that I make of, Hey, I'm a developer and I made this thing is much more authentic than some big corporation that hired a PR firm to make a video for them talking about the same sort of problem. Like 
I think I come across as much more authentic than them. Uh, and, you know, I think I think like the way I'm recording this podcast is very authentic. Like I, I have an Amazon package laid <laughs> on the ground in the background, like this, this messy uh, plastic bookshelf. <laughs> like, um, like I, I, I would like to think that I'm coming across as authentic because I like I'm not trying to sell you anything. Like I don't have an agenda. I'm just chatting with you. Um, so I think I think that's lowering my threshold of in producing marketing material, it can be better to be more authentic. Like I don't have to worry as much about having something as polished because when I'm looking for things, I prioritize authenticity above polish. Yeah. Uh, yes. And when I was like looking for like beach videos and stuff, yeah, I, I liked the ones showing people having fun on beaches. I did not like the ones that were obviously overproduced by yeah, cities or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So same thing. Um, Ironically, I'm also into photography, and so there it's exactly the opposite. Like, if someone has a poorly produced video about cameras, <laughs> like, I, I question whether they know what they're talking about. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you just have to know your audience, I guess. I guess that's a way to sum that up. And you kind of have to know your content know your... producer. Yeah, I Because yourself. I agree with you. Yeah. If, if there's someone, if it's someone editing, if, it, if it's someone talking about camera equipment, an authentic person who knows their stuff about camera equipment is going to have perfect lighting and they're right. going to like, it, it's going to be framed well. And that's what I'm looking for in that versus an authentic exterminator. is going to be a shaky, terrible quality, <laughs> terrible audio cell phone video. And an authentic person having fun on the beach is going to be like, the audio is going to be bad and it's going to be distracted and like maybe edited like an iMovie with those cheesy iMovie things. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I've never thought about that before. It's you're, you, you sort of have to tune into what authenticity looks like depending on who the content creator is of who you're trying to learn from. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. It, and we're not, we're not trying to say, to, to, we're not trying to say be authentic when you're not like, I think we're just trying to say, uh, be authentic and don't try to be someone else. Like don't, don't, you know, don't strive for crazy good audio quality or right. video quality. If that's not your brand, right. Don't worry about it. Like do what makes you, you. Yeah. And the 3D yeah. chess of this would be if the consultancy being paid 20 grand by the city of Miami or whatever started making like terrible yes. quality. Like, yes. <laughs> trying to, try to mimic authenticity. It's weird. Like it's it's not something you can sort of put your finger on, but I feel like I'd be able to tell. I feel like I'd be, like when, when it's like a sponsored TikTok, I yeah. feel like I can watch and be like, ah, oh, this is an ad. This this yep. person doesn't actually use this product. They're, they're just being paid to sell it. Um, versus when someone like really likes the product and they're just saying like, I had this problem and here's like look at how cool i am because i'm telling i'm teaching you how to do this thing uh i don't know that i can define what that is but i feel like i can just feel it of like yeah are you being real right now yeah and so, sometimes it's even like so if you remember the dollar shave club ad the, the yeah. first one that came out um that one was really well produced but it was like such a weird commercial <laughs> yeah. like you knew exactly what they stood for and everything and so that that's an example of like they were super authentic while being super high polished yeah but yeah. it wasn't high polished in like a corporate way it, it was exactly what they needed at the time and so you just i think you have to yeah pick your avenue that you're going to be good at and pick your avenue that you're going to be really authentic on and yeah um yeah i mean i'm sure that that ad took just tons of time and effort to like really think about mm -hmm. so being authentic doesn't mean necessarily mean you don't put thought into it either i don't know we're kind of talking in circles but it's like yeah you gotta you gotta pay attention to what you're putting out there i guess that or, or, really or maybe not that's what that's what we're saying too yeah yeah like, that's the it, most authentic thing prioritize yeah. being authentic and being honest because that that matters so much more and there, there's gonna be things like i didn't plan for this amazon package to be here i don't like but <laughs> It, it, as long as you're being honest about who you are and what you're doing, that's gonna, it, it's just gonna happen yeah. without you having to think about it. So prioritize that above anything else. I think is yeah. the message we're taking. Yeah. I love the example of the Dollar Shave Club because I vividly remember seeing that ad for the first time and just feeling this wash of refreshing, like, oh my gosh, this what a great company that are, you know, he's, this dude's being honest. And he's like, he's being funny and he's throwing things around. It's, it's sort of a mockery of traditional commercials. And then after that, there was this wave of commercials yep. that were all trying to do the same sort of thing. Um, like there was a mattress ad similar to that. And I, I, I keep seeing them over and over and they're all like, they're more interesting than regular ads, but it's, it's not people being authentic and gritty and like dangerous. It's like, Oh, they noticed that this dollar shave club ad worked really well. And now they're trying to copy that format that plays very differently in the same sort of way as like, <laughs> I could imagine a world where like, 
our podcast gets super popular and they're like, ah, we got to crack the code of how they did this. Ah, an Amazon package, it gets dropped off in the middle of yeah. the recording. Uh, we got to schedule that to happen. Like, And then if you watched a podcast where that happened, it's going to feel weird. Uh, <laughs> like, it's if, if someone's pretending to be authentic, like that's, that's even worse than if yeah. they were just trying to be polished. Um, I, I'm reminded of this, this reminds me of restaurants. Like, often the best restaurant is like in a strip mall and has bad lighting and whatever yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you know that's just some family trying to make it and they're going to serve you their food and you're yeah. like that's often the best food um, yep. when they get too polished then it's like mm, all right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um i have a memory of going to a tire restaurant like that but that's that's not an interesting enough story to actually talk about <laughs> we're running out of time uh i have a handful of things that i would like a attaboy on and i have two things that i would like your hot take on are you ready right. yes chris this last week i weeded and trimmed and got a whole truckload of mulch and then mulched the backyard of this rental property to avoid losing my deposit can i get an attaboy uh attaboy in the texas Yay. sun in the texas sun yes, uh, very yes good. thank you uh and it was actually really good weather it was nice mulch oh, smells right. really good too uh, I gave Rachel, my personal assistant, a bunch of new work entering HSA expenses and have the whole system for doing that now. So now that'll just get done in the future. Can I get an attaboy? Uh, attaboy. Uh, I won't ask the question, are you going to get more back on your taxes than you will pay Rachel? In <laughs> the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> but it's important for me to do. This is a small tangent. I took a course. Uh, there's a video course by the author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich, uh, Ramit Sethi, where he uh, is talking about how he uses his assistant. And one of the examples he gave was uh, he ordered a bunch of pairs of shoes. And then he texted his assistant to be like, can you return these two? And I don't want to think about it. I just want you to handle it. And she was like, great. Drop them off with the doorman and they'll be returned. And someone asked the question, okay, but like you're paying her a lot and she had to spend time doing that. And you know, she had, you had to tip the doorman and there had to be like a courier brought to the thing. Did, didn't you lose more money than if you just thrown the shoes away? And he was like, probably but that's a thing that's important to me like yeah. i i that just would have been stuck in my head of that that's a value that i have of like if i buy something and i don't like it i, I want to return it and uh that's a thing i wanted to get done and like it's just kind of a rounding error on on the service like don't don't think about it that every single transaction has to make sense think about it at this higher level of like for tasks in this in this category of it's something that you want to get done that's not worth your time to do that you can outsource just get used to pushing that up and push it out to your assistant so i don't think it's going to make sense like from a financial perspective of being able to justify that I'm, I'm making more money back from this but that's not why i'm doing it I'm doing it to practice outsourcing and like you know in the future i want 50 pipelines like this where i just push something into a queue and i know it's going to get done and i don't think about it again uh that that's my answer all right, well, double attaboy for uh, knowing yourself and doing something. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, two more things. I pushed forward my engagement ring project. Uh, I think the last thing I need to do this whole project is a microwave, which I'm picking up today. And my gosh, talk about YouTube binges of being Neo in the Matrix and figuring out a whole new skill. I know so much about Laws Wax Casting and jewelry making, and I've got, yeah. I bought a Dremel and I bought a Polishers, and I know all about all the different kinds of polish and the ring pushers and designing the thing. And I have my test print on my resin 3D printer, and it's the right kind of resin, and I got the best kind of thing to cast it in the, oh, my, it's so much, and it's actually happening. Can I get it at a boy? At a boy. That sounds Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, last thing, I painted a fence, which is a project Sarah had uncompleted at our condo for six months because painting's hard and it's messy and uh it's like dependent on the weather and we knocked it all out in a single day and it felt great and we also assembled 1.8 of the three bookshelves we need to assemble and we also assembled <laughs> three eighths of a shed <laughs> it's just the backing of one of them needs to be yeah, just right. put on. Uh, <laughs> i feel like i don't deserve this one as much but can i get an attaboy you get 1.8 attaboys for those two things <laughs> that's totally fair <laughs> that was you you are fair and just in your, your attaboys <laughs> i respect the previous attaboys even more now <laughs> um all right two quick hot takes uh this one's gonna be quick i had the idea while i was driving that i would love i may have talked about this before a podcast host but specifically for my own personal audiobooks so like i bought courses in the past 
and yeah. it's its own proprietary framework and they, they give me a folder of a bunch of mp3s and there's not really a good like i have apps on android that i can drag and drop it to but then if i delete it i have to get it from my computer again i think what i want is a site where i can go to where i upload my mp3s to the cloud and it gives me a link that's a private podcast link that then i can add that to my podcast player in spotify or, or Pocket Cast or whatever and then that's my own private audio thing and i guess i could just do this within transistor i could just make my own podcast in transistor yeah uh actually yeah i, th- I think i think that's the end of the hot take i think i'm just going to use transistor and make a private podcast for myself you could or i know a site that does three quarters of that which is file inbox and the only remaining piece is a yeah. podcast rss feed on top of whatever is uploaded to a file inbox page that's interesting i don't think i would build that into file inbox but i think i the way I want to do this is to like rip out the the file uploading piece of file inbox and have like self-hosted podcast.app or something. Um, the the better, less expensive for you way to do it is to yes, pay transistor for a private uh, podcast. I know that private podcasts yeah. are a thing that like they do and actually I think makes them a lot of their money because that mm. Justin Jackson mentioned that on a few different and a few different places that so private podcasts are things like yeah, company, you know, uh, you know, a company wants to produce a podcast for all of its employees, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you could do that. You could do a private podcast for just yourself. Yeah. Do you think there's a market for this use case I'm describing of like, you have your own audio book mm. or your own audio thing that you want to listen to and like having your own audible account, but it's for books that you have the MP3 too. I mean, I would ask why they aren't just on your phone, I guess. Cause I got them from, other places yeah. like there's a, a course on personality that i bought and the the end product was a whole folder of mp3s and i was like how the heck am i gonna play these mp3s like i don't have you, itunes anymore that's that's what i would have used yeah you, so you sh- i haven't done this for a while but you should be able to airdrop it to your phone and then play it on your depending on what kind of phone you have chris i don't have airdrop you could android drop it to your <laughs> phone <laughs> i okay i think I think I just need to chew on this more of like what the actual problem is because there has to be a better way to do this. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's that hot take. Uh, last hot take. I had someone reach out to me who is a listener of this podcast. Uh, if you're listening, hello. I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Giannis Larson, uh, who's in, I believe, the Netherlands. No, he's not. Denmark. He's in a country similar to the Netherlands. It's geographically close to that. Denmark. Uh, <laughs> Denmark. I follow him on right? Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Denmark. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and he recently purchased FFmpeg as a service.com. Uh, yeah. Partially, I think, inspired by the uh, episode we have about about doing that. Uh, separate to that, he he has uh, SaaS that he's doing that's uh, a front end to APIs, so that if you want to charge and rate limit for your API and you just want to focus on the technical part, he has a layer that he can put in front of your API that handles all that. Uh, and then pays you. So he uh, is looking at FFmpeg as a service to be like one of the test apps of like like one of the first apps to to use his main SaaS um in front of it and serendipitously at the same time he reached out to me he reached out to me and he was like hey you haven't talked about this in a long time and uh i I just wanted to chat with you about this and while he was messaging me that i was working on making the thing i was building for brian more generalized so that it could be Mm. ffmpeg as a service so we had a call and I was like, I'd love to work together on this because like we're both thinking of the same things. And he was like, how would you like to work together on this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but if you just want to talk about it or something, that'd be cool. Uh, so that's that's currently where we are. We're just like bouncing back and forth. Sort of sort of working in parallel on the same sorts of things of just making FFmpeg uh, more of a, a thing that can be used as an API. And I'm confident that like in a week, I'm not going to care at all about this. I'm going to be onto something else and I should be more focused on file inbox instead of doing this. But... For this hot take, uh, for me and Giannis, I would like to hear from you uh, what your thoughts are on FFmpeg as a service. Uh, this is something we've sort of talked about the last episode or two of like, uh, if, if I made the thing I'm making for Brian more of a service, I, I have in my head this idea that like, it could be a site where, this is sort of what Giannis is doing too, a site where like, you build out landing pages of here's how you do this common thing that you would want to be doing in FFmpeg. Here's how you merge videos together. Here's how you crop them. Here's how you trim them. Here's how you uh, extract the audio or, or mute it. 
And then at the end of that page, it says, okay, that was all how you do it in FFmpeg, or you can just upload it here and have it done for you, or you can call this API if you need to do this a whole bunch and, and you can use this API. Uh, what is your hot take on FFmpeg as a service? Yeah, so I have two hot takes, one on that and one on working with people. Um, so FFmpeg as a service first. Um, there are undoubtedly some people or companies who will pay a whole bunch of money for very certain use cases. Mm. So if you wanted to make the most money quickly, I would do this sort of as consulting first, try to find the companies that are doing, you know, like a thousand video ads a month and they need to clip something, you know, whatever mm-hmm. and do it, you know, offer to do it manually or something, get their, to get their price range, to get exactly what they're doing. And then, so, so that's how I would do that. Um, if you just go in with an FFmpeg, FFmpeg as a service, like very generic landing page kind of thing, it's going to be really hard to convert people because no one's looking for that, I think, or not enough people. People instead are looking for extremely specific things that are done by services now. Um, so I find out what those things are looking for. And then eventually after th- two or three or five clients, you'll find what is generic about it and you'll be able to wrap that up. It may even be that it's more specific than just FFM because the service, you know, like it's like there's some really specific use case that people will pay a lot of money for. Um, mm. So that's my hot take about that. I would not make it a generic service at first. I would try to do consulting around it first and uh yeah find what people are doing quickly on that yeah that's such a good idea and that i feel like that's exactly what i did with brian like he had this very specific use case that was very valuable to him that now now that i've done that work uh, you know it, it, it I, I just launched it on this platform and then he can do it forever so yeah I, th- I think i really like that as an angle if i can just find the little pockets of like this media company has to make this type of video a thousand times a day uh, and I can charge them an outrageous amount of money for it. And it's it's just like combining these four, like it, anything that reduces to an FFmpeg command, uh, plus whatever little extra stuff you need uh, on the programming side. If I can just, if, if I just treat this as a framework so that I can do those consulting jobs more easily, I think that's where I'm going to see the most success. And then if the end product is like, here is this web page that you have to log into that then you upload your files in the browser or you can call this uh, API command if you want to do it that way. And then I do the edit for you and then I deliver to you the final video. And I'm charging you $20,000 for this custom thing. But it was almost no marginal work on my end because for me, it was just writing another FFmpeg command in this way that I needed to, to work on my site. Yeah, that's a really good angle. That's a really good idea. Okay, I still haven't done the thing I said I was going to do last week of um, doing a, a Upwork job mm, um, right i think that's exactly what this will look like i think i'm i think i want to look for i, I want a way to find people who are looking for repeatable specific types of edits and i'm probably going to find those in upwork um okay cool all right uh, uh next thing you said about working with other people yeah working with other people so this reminds me a lot of so if you remember back i don't remember when it was but whenever i was doing the soundproofing on my office because i remember my office being a mess um i was going to work with someone else on a something something similar to meeting place basically um she had this idea about a community focused thing and i had meeting place and we're going to kind of work together and instead of jumping right into like some co-founder agreement or something we just decided to work together for a few weeks on this thing in a way that neither of us would feel bad if the other person like took all the code and ran or took all the you know whatever and ran like like just we're going to spend a few weeks just seeing what it felt like to work together and it turned out after a few weeks like she ended up joining another company but it was like it it wasn't quite we didn't we both didn't quite think it was what we thought it was Mm -hmm. and um that's exactly what i would do here if you think in a week like you're going to be you know not interested in pursuing this anymore and you want to switch the file inbox again like do maybe some like open source work or do like you can still collaborate for a week right but Mm -hmm. just call it what it is it's not like some co-founder thing starting right now it's like you're collaborating for a week to see what happens both of you can benefit um if it turns into something later which it might then fine uh if it doesn't then you're sort of back to normal and you know you have some interesting open source experience plus a, a new you know friend basically so cool that's for anyone looking for a co-founder that's what i would say like get started in a relationship by doing some really low stake stuff where you maybe put some out in public or maybe you do some stuff together but if either of you walks away no one feels bad um then do that for a little while and if it turns into something great, um, and if not, you're you're kind of back to where you were anyway. And uh, yeah, that's really good advice. And that's a that's a perfect analogy to draw. Um, I'll try to dig up 
the episode where you were talking about it was a series of episodes i guess uh talking yeah. about the the potential partnership with that woman um i love how you're framing this of like start small start low stakes start you know don't <laughs> i read this i think it, it was either a book about dating or a book about marketing it was talking about how like <laughs> very similar sorts of problems yeah uh when you walk up to a restaurant they don't like they don't like when you're walking past the restaurant they don't say give me your credit card and I'll give you this plate of spaghetti. Right. They like say, would you like to see the menu? And then if you look at the menu and you're like, yeah, they say, would you like a table? And at each stage it's like a little bit more trust and a little bit more commitment. And yeah. And then, you know, would you like an appetizer? I'll bring out the appetizer. I guess at that point, like you're, you're going to order a meal. Um, but, I mean, you, you could still be, like if the appetizer is terrible. You could be like, I want to see the manager. I want to leave. Right. Right. right, but, right. but it becomes more of a social thing. Like you have to involve a manager. Right. Yeah. Sure. At that point. Yeah. You don't start with, would you, you know, buy this 10 meal <laughs> coupon, right. you get one meal free. Uh, so you want to, you want to build that trust a little bit. So yeah, that, that, that does feel like what we're doing. Uh, Giannis and I, um, right now it's just sort of like a really chill, you know, uh, if either of us has a question about how the other one implemented something, uh, like this morning he asked me a question about uh, FFmpeg uh, Wasm that runs in the browser, uh, like what the what the specific uh, limitation of it is. And that feels great. And it's, it's interesting because I think past versions of me would have felt sort of threatened by like, I'm the only one who can work on this and no one else. And, oh, you're trying to work on this? No, I'm not going to help you at all. I'm going to sabotage you. And... Uh, current me is like this marketplace is so big and even just that one little tweak of like i'm i'm gonna be more focused in the direction of uh being like a consultant and automating things for consulting jobs we're completely different businesses now even yep. though the, at, at its core we both have this core piece that we're we're both gonna edit videos in FFmpeg with an api but like it's such a little marginal change to, to make two completely different things i think that's a, a lesson i've learned also from you doing this uh, uh, research into the live chat stuff. Like it just takes one little tiny thing to make effectively the same product so yeah. much better for a particular type of person. Um, and even if you find yourself in a place where, you know, there's another thing that's identical to you that's that's uh, targeting the exact same sort of person. Okay, well you can you can tweak it just a little bit and like uh, go after a, a subset of those people or go after a slightly adjacent. Uh, uh, set of those people so yeah that the the arrangement we have right now i think feels really good uh no commitment nothing has been signed probably no money's going to transfer but uh it's it's fun it's fun having another person who's thinking about similar sorts of problems like how many yeah. people can you talk to <laughs> right <laughs> you know are, are interested in, in this sort of thing so that's uh that feels really good uh cool chris that's all i got that's all i got too then i will open this package behind me to figure out what's inside of it and